We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays, 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. Do you have social media? Do you have the stuff that Clevenger's previous significant other and mother of his other child posted in 2019 about how he treated her? Where's your staff that does this? They should have learned their lesson from what happened with Omar Vizquel. How could this happen again? Lawrence Holmes. They jumped out to get him. Yep. They ran to free agency with a guy whose reputation was in tatters before we even knew these allegations. They ran. They ran to sign him instead of signing Johnny Cueto back. They set the market for Mike Clevenger. In the first weekend that they could, that tells me that there's either a lack of caring about who this guy is that you're adding to your clubhouse. Or... You knew, and you were like, eh, he still got enough arm. Meanwhile. Top side three. Got it. Kobe at the buzzer to end the first quarter. And the Bulls hang 39 on Indiana on the road. And they're up 39 to 15 after one. And this ball game is over. Unbelievable. The second time in as many games against Indiana in this building, the Bulls have squandered a 20-point lead, and they lose to the Pacers, 117-113. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. I hate it here. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. With all due respect to Chuck, it couldn't be more believable. 24-point lead, by the way. Yeah, it's not, it's not unbelievable. It's what they do. But I might be more sanguine about it than, than others because I, 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 I saw the future. You did? I, I saw what, what they could choose to do and what they should have chosen to have done at the trade deadline. I saw the future, too, and then I went on FanDuel. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, Rick Camp's been doing that for, for I, two I'm following years. Rick Camp's lead on this and just watching. And I had a free bet. Because things had gone well for me over Super Bowl weekend. Had a free bet, and I was like, you know what? Pacers money line plus 520. Mm-hmm. And then I got a little nervous towards the end, so I cashed out at, at plus 400. Very profitable day in doing that because you know what the Bulls are going to do. They're, they're, this team right now loves, absolutely loves to just give away leads. And they're just kind of scrambling at the end of games. Like, how did that happen? Well, it happened because teams don't just, like, 
the Bulls don't have a significant like knockout punch. Like they don't allow for it. They'll get up and they get happy and like, oh, look at us. Like everything's going all right and the offense is flowing. You still have to play defense, though. It's also that this is what the Pacers do. Yep. The, and and the, they, the Pacers did this to them already. Yes. Like this is, we, you know that this is what they do. And if you saw what the Nets did, a disorganized pickup team that said, well, what does Joe Harris do? Well, if he gets a good look, he hits threes. Right. And what does Buddy Heald do? He hits threes and for some reason wasn't being guarded. He's out there to do one thing. And this happened to you the other night. It's like, oh, guy whose job it is to hit threes. <laughs> and and there it was again. Like anytime, any anytime you want to just say, hey, you know what? Let's make sure that that guy doesn't beat us. And it, you know what? It was really actually early in the game when it was it was like it was four four or the Bulls. It was four three. Early in the game, and it was, and there was a sequence there that was just the Bulls worked so hard early to get their first four points, and it's like they're getting rebounds and they're cutting and they're driving and Igo's driving and they're working, working, working. And it's like okay, four nothing Bulls. And it's like whoop, whoop, guy hit the three. I was gonna bring this up because it took them like four or five possessions to get a six. Yeah, you know, to get to six. That was Bulls basketball. Yeah, that, and then and then things got going. It's like oh, the offense can move. And you can be over here, and I can be behind the line, and there's all this space, and we're not standing around, and we're not ball watching, and we're not waiting, and then everything got rolling, and it's almost like it got unfamiliar. It's like, what is what is this sorcery? This ball movement and shot making. Mm-hmm. It's NBA offense is what it is. Before I continue to uh, rip the Bulls apart, and there's one particular thing that I am continue to be angry about, Kobe White played his ass off last night. He was terrific. I'm telling you, man. Finding open spaces, not being afraid to take big shots, like playing his game, running the floor. I really appreciated the effort with which he played with last night. Now, now we need to talk about your mans. Zach. Dude. Come on. This is what I mean by him not like I keep saying it, like him being very talented, but he he ain't a hooper. With the game in the balance yesterday, inside of the fourth quarter, Zach does the thing that I hate with him. There's a shot that he throws up. He thinks that he's fouled. The play's still going on. And in fact, had he stayed engaged in the play, there's a chance that he could have gotten an offensive rebound and a putback. But no. He's got to go yell at the referee and turn his back to the play. If you want to do that in a dead ball situation, fine. The play's still going on, and you're trying to hold on to this lead. It's, it's his inability to stay engaged, especially in the fourth quarter, that makes him lesser than what his talent profile says that he is. He loses focus faster than anyone on the floor. And, and you see, it's almost like his basketball IQ goes down 20 points in the fourth quarter because he feels like he has to do whatever. I got to take this crazy shot. No, you don't. Move the ball. Hope to get the ball back. 
move the ball to get it back. Move the ball to move your feet to find a better shot than the one you have. You have enough time. I'm going to go out here and do this like dribbling display and then have the ball stolen. I'm going to throw a crazy pass to a place that I know the player is and it's going to go out of bounds. It's it's so disheartening. I, it, I mean, that play like exemplifies him. And don't miss the free throw late. That There's the other part. Look, you have a night where you score 35 points. People be like, well, he scored 35. But when you look at what he is in fourth quarter, late situations, he is choking in those situations. And this is why you don't scout the box score. This is why you watch the game, you don't scout the box score. Because Zach Levine had 35 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and a block. Yeah. And somebody said, look at that dude, stuff in the stat sheet. Right. But in the moments when you need him most, in, in the seconds in the game that matter the most, he goes to the zoo. He'll throw a ball out of bounds. You're one of the best free throw shooters on the team, and you can't be trusted close and late to go get a free throw that you need. And, and you're so obsessed with getting the calls that you stop playing. Keep playing. Especially on a night like that when you are having a good night. Keep playing. And he continues to stop. And it's so, so annoying. It's, it's like, come on, man. Like, I mean, Dan, that particular play, like, really... Talk about grinding your gears. Oh, I, I mean, like it, the ball was still in play. It was still in play, and it's everything's going on behind him, where his teammates are still fighting for the opportunity for an offensive rebound. He's over here standing out of bounds, yelling at the referee. Get back into the play. Show your desperation because your team should be desperate right now. But too many times for Zach. It doesn't seem to be a priority. Late game situations, winning time situations don't seem to be a priority for him. And I don't know how you change that. And this has been ongoing all year. It gets back to the Wizards game when they ran him off a three that, that where a two wasn't going to help him. Right. And he, if you look at a, the fourth quarter situations this season, you've seen him make all sorts of mistakes. There's the the crazy pass that he had in the one game where he like hooks the ball uh, out to the top of the key, but no one's standing there, and it just goes out of bounds. It's not running the play that Billy called, not recognizing Caruso. Wide a, open underneath wide, on the back cut. Yep. Absolutely, because you should have been looking for it. It is taking a two when you are down by three, and 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 then not understanding why that was the wrong play. It's it just makes me mad. Like every time I'm watching him, and especially on a night when he does give you 35, especially when you see all of the skills on display that he has available, everything that's in his bag. You saw last night getting to the rim, shooting three pointers, the the drawing fouls, drawing fouls. Like his game is intoxicating because of. The ceiling for it. But there's something that just disconnects with him that that makes it feel like you're a guy who who maybe you even love basketball, but you don't you don't seem like you know it. You know how far back this goes? Jason Goff and I used to have discussions about Zach Levine when he was on the Timberwolves. 
and and Jason would talk about working with Sam Mitchell at with you know NBA Sirius XM and the conversation that he and Sam Mitchell would have about Zach and his lack of instincts and and where Sam Mitchell would say this guy's got all the physical ability in the world he just doesn't get it he doesn't know basketball he doesn't this has been the book on him for a decade for a decade now how, but how can you not how can the situations that you're in not make you better like how can you not do like applied learning and and one would think as he's grousing about Demar being the person who's taking those last second shots that he would at least look and go well wait why is he taking those last second shots from where is he taking them and when right against whom when is he settling for the jumper and when is he driving to the basket and yet none of it seems to stick with him and it's annoying because you see you see all of it you see all of the tools and he does make bad shots 100% it is part of Zach's game the what are you no oh oh great okay awesome he does that. He he is he is a shot maker, but that's also not necessarily what you, what you want at the end of a game when it is your responsibility to work for something better. Yeah, it's well. The good thing is, at least it was profitable for your boy. So that's good. I mean, I I think that's a fun little thing that we can do now. Bulls get a lead. Check the money line on the other team. Go on a fan duel and check it. 312 says he's the Kirk Cousins of the NBA. That is a fantastic comp. That's not bad. With things little things start to crumble, he can't rise above. And his his numbers look good, just like Kirk Cousins. Like if you look That's at Kirk Cousins' numbers, you go, Oh, look at that guy. He's a top five quarterback. And then you watch Kirk Cousins play, and you're like, No, he's not. He is not a top five quarterback because he makes decisions where you go, what were you thinking? Speaking of such decisions, we need to play much of uh, what Rick Hahn said yesterday. I know we've distilled, we've edited because it was a long and winding road yesterday with uh, without a lot of good by the time they got to any destination. White Sox are making some choices here. Mm-hmm. And it's just unfortunate. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand the business strategy of we're just going to be jerks about stuff and make it difficult for you to root for us. So there, and retroactively, we're going to make it more difficult for you to like one of your favorite teams in the last 20 years. We're going to do that too. Yep. We're going to do all of that stuff. So we'll let you hear from the general manager of the white Sox. He had a lot to say yesterday about Mike Clevenger. We will discuss all of that coming up next here on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. have any contingency plan in case Mike is not available? some of the other guys as possible starters down the road? Um, he's available right now. And, and if uh, by any chance he's not available, we'll, we'll discuss that as an organization and, and address it then. But uh, right now, you know, he's a part of this rotation and we're moving forward with it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Welcome to your first managerial job, Pedro Grifol. You can thank your bosses for this, where you should be smiling and celebrating and setting the tone you got to deal with this, and this is this is on your bosses for for wanting to do this to you, choosing to do this to you when either they could have known better, should have known better, or should have wanted to have known better. It's funny because I think the hiring of Pedro Grifol actually has a lot of White Sox fans being like, "Oh, okay, like this guy seems to be serious about some of the deficiencies that the White Sox have had." about being present and in the moment when you're playing the game. Playing, paying attention, playing hard. Playing defense, like specifically like playing defense. And I know that that from interviews I've heard from Grifol, I'm like, all right, cool. It looks like they have a legit managerial prospect here. Someone who gets it. I'm, I'm still a little concerned about the fact that he couldn't really get his own staff. Like he kind of, there are all these favors that is very much like, like Congress, you it's, know, or, or it's like in a parliamentary government when they talk about building a government. Yeah. They talk about putting together like, you know, whether it's the Israeli Knesset or how they, they'll do it in, in, in European countries where you have a, a prime ministerial government where they say form a government out of these various factions and coalitions, and that becomes the challenge. That's what they did. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can bring a couple of your guys, but this guy gets a guy, and this guy gets a guy, and you got to make it all work. And you got to make it seem like it was your idea. But it wasn't my idea. Well, you've got to make it look that way. But even with that, I think White Sox fans look at Pedro Grifol and go, all right, okay, this is... This looks like it's going to be better than what was going on before, and maybe he can squeeze that leftover talent into a contender in the American League Central. It would be great to be talking about that part of the White Sox. It would be great to have the discussion of how quickly can Pedro Grifol get up to speed? Can he do the job effectively enough in year one that the White Sox find themselves in contention? What landmines are out there for him that he has to be careful of? What's he like? Like All of those things that White Sox fans are really interested in about the new manager and what the new manager does for the actual baseball that's played. But then you're stuck 
because organizationally, the White Sox have been um, derelict. Of dialect. Well, I was going to make a Prime Minister Pete Nice <laughs> reference earlier when you said Prime Minister. Prime Minister Sinister. Uh, Pete Nice. But they continue to just kind of, it's almost like they want, they want to be the bad guys. Like they but really, they can't do it. But they're not just sign Bauer. Not fully capable wanna, of wanna, doing. Want to go sign Trevor Bauer? You want to? You want to just be like, hey, we we don't care. We're not here to set any examples. We're not here to make you feel good. We're just here to win games. And you want to be the 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 Raiders of the seventies? Yeah. You want to be the John Madden Raiders? I think that's that's what they want to be. And I think that they spend a lot of time, even with the Tony Larusa hire. Like, so what? Yeah, we did this. Now what? Well, it's a terrible move, and it's going to be proven to be a terrible. Nah, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything. Stay out of White Sox business. Stay out of White Sox business. You know, your team isn't really good at playing baseball, really. Nah, you Injuries. don't know anything. Injuries. That Guys aren't running the first. We told them not to run the first. We're too Screw cool. Screw you. We don't need to run the first. Screw you. We don't. We don't need any of that stuff from the outside. We only care about what's going on on the inside. Well, there's guys on the inside that aren't very happy about it either. There's, Screw you them know what? Too. There's people up and down that organization that are unhappy. Of course. They're, how do you feel if you've got to go to work today and 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 do group sales? When you got a cold call and you got to get on, and you're 24 years old and you're walking in there and it's your job to get. You've got a list of calls you've got to make all day today to people, whether it's. The boys and, and, and boy scouts or girl scouts or church groups, and you're and you've got all kinds of discounted tickets to sell, or you're going door to door with businesses looking at, hey, you want to set up your clients or or, or you're get- trying to convince people who got rid of their packages to come. Yeah, back. you're going through your database. You're like, look, let, let's talk about our lapsed database here. That that's what teams do. And and that's your and you got you got to spend all day. Think how you're going to feel at five thirty today. Well, when you spend an entire day, people are like, yeah, and, and what the hell? And you're going to hear it. Like that's that's the other part. I, I've I've done that. I, I have been a, a, as as a young person. I I have been driving from from this tool and die shop to this mom and pop restaurant to this auto body shop trying to sell tickets to stuff, and it's it can be demeaning and belittling and dehumanizing and you feel like Willie Loman at the end of the day. And I just I, I feel for people whose job it is to make people excited and happy about the White Sox right now. And the opening of spring training when everything's supposed to be aligned to do just that. You're gonna hear from White Sox fans. They don't hold their tongues. And when given the opportunity to talk with the people that are trying to sell them something, like what are you selling? How how what's your pitch to White Sox fans that were like, you know what, I'm out, I'm out. I mean, I watch the games on TV because that doesn't cost me anything really, but I'm out. I'm out on the experience. I don't want to give them any more money. There's this part that feels like the White Sox are in we don't care mode at the highest levels of the organization. I think that there are people like you talk about Dan that care quite a bit about that. And they've been struggling for the last two and a half years with the direction that this organization is going in. This was Rick Hahn yesterday meeting the assembled media at the outset of White Sox spring training talking about Mike Clevenger. First and foremost, as was 
evidently revealed on Twitter last night. Mike Clevenger is here in camp. Uh, he is currently, as you know, the subject to an open investigation under the Major League Baseball and Players Association joint policy. Uh, I appreciate the fact that several of you uh, have put in the time and effort to reach out, whether it be to us or to Major League Baseball or the Players Association, to uh, get yourself educated on the policy and the rights of players and clubs underneath that policy. Uh, A couple of points that I think need to be uh, reiterated or at least made clear for those of you that may have missed them or for uh, stories that may not have included them. Uh, It is up to, under the terms of the collectively bargained policy, uh, it is solely the discretion of the commissioner to discipline a player under investigation, after the conclusion of an investigation. Uh, At this point, uh, the White Sox options are the same as they have been throughout this process when Mike joined us, and that is to uh, respect the process and the investigation and let it play out. That is the club's only option. Um, Obviously, the confidentiality element of the investigation is essential uh, to the success and strength of the policy and one that we're going to uh, continue to respect. Looking back, is there any way there there could have been digging deeper in order to find out what was going on, especially since he was pitching with San Diego throughout all this? Sure. It's a very fair question. The question about the level of due diligence that we do the confidentiality element to this policy is essential in order to protect not just players but also those who feel aggrieved to give them the ability to come forward and express that there's an issue and to allow for an investigation to take place. Part of that confidentiality is that other clubs don't know about it and there was no way for us to be aware of this incident without someone being in violation of that policy and no one was. Again, is part of the strength of the policy, and it's how it operates effectively. From a due diligence standpoint, we have had some success in past years. I've been I've been here now. This started my 23rd season, uh, so I've been involved in a lot of background checks, a lot of evaluations of players' makeup from outside the organization. Uh, we have had success at times in the past taking calculated risks on players that had, let's say, immaturity issues with other organizations, bringing them in here and making them part of our environment and giving them a new opportunity to fulfill their potential. Uh, Probably don't have that ring in 05 without taking chances like that. That said, you know, you try to do everything in your power to uncover everything you can and make a decision based upon the risk of what you're bringing in. And look, that's a big part of my job, big part of the front office's job is managing risk, whether it's from performance, health, clubhouse fit, off-field issues. It's a matter of putting that all in a box and making the best decision you can based on the information available to you at that time. There's been instances in the recent past where we've passed on people because of what we've uncovered in background. Uh, And there's always means for improving it but in terms of finding out about this specific incident or anything there was no indication of anything 
close to anything that has been alleged in this guy's background. So you felt it was a calculated risk. What was your reaction then when you heard the news? Disappointment. You never want... I, I, I'm, I'm, I regret the fact that we're sitting here today talking about this. I understand why we're doing it. Obviously, we have to. Uh, but this is a year in which we have high expectations. We have uh, a new staff that's trying to get the ground running to help us fulfill those expectations. And we've got a heck of a lot of players in that clubhouse right now who feel like they have something to prove. Frankly, that was part of the appeal in bringing Mike in prior to all this, of knowing that he, prior to all this, he had something to prove as well. Uh, here's a guy who historically has pitched when healthy, like a guy towards the front of a rotation. At this point in his career, due to injuries, you know, he's not out there reaping the benefits financially of what a front-end starter gets. And here's a guy who could come in potentially with something to prove, a chip on his shoulder to to show he belongs to be treated like the elite pitcher he has shown himself capable of being. So we were excited to all get here and start building towards that collective goal, letting these guys sort of show that they're who people thought they were a year ago and regret the fact that this is instead the topic. If the investigation was public at, let's say, the beginning of the offseason, would that have disqualified him from you guys? It's not the... That's a hypothetical, not the facts that we're dealing with. Wait, sorry, just to clarify. Sure, sure. You, the, just this question of calculated risk, did you, if, if there was no indication that there was anything to be concerned about, was citing Clevenger a calculated risk, or did you actually think this was like a pretty good... Risk? No, we, it was a calculated risk because of some of the maturity issues that had come to light historically and that were uncovered as part of our uh, our background. Okay. Look, Trees there was no, general, there was no, yeah, yeah, nothing to do okay. with this incident whatsoever. Okay. The, the public, it was very public what happened back in 2020. They were playing us at our place when they had the, the COVID protocol breach that he was part of. Uh, as you probably recall, there he was uh, available and ultimately moved to San Diego at that deadline, and we were part of that those conversations with Cleveland at the time about acquiring him. We had uh, several conversations at that time about his, you know, what are, what are we getting here from a makeup standpoint? Uh, you know, there certainly were some positives in terms of work ethic and focus and desire to win and desire to compete and understanding of his own mechanics and efforts to improve, which were positives. But there were, you know, maturity questions, and he'd admit that probably by his, by his own volition. So that's that's what I was referring to in terms of we've had similar guys who have had reputational questions. Okay, there there are some some it just he's stepping on rake after rake after rake. He thinks he's flexing in some of these answers, and he's not. And and here's another thing, Rick. Don't you wag your finger at us. When you've been hiding all winter long, how dare you? Don't you wag your finger at any of us. There have been multiple opportunities for you to come out and talk about anything White Sox that you want, and you continue to duck it. So don't then sit there at Camelback Ranch acting as if people weren't trying to figure out what the hell was going on with your team. They were trying to figure it out from you. And then what you give them is not only... Not only did you go out, did you run out to go sign this guy Thanksgiving weekend when free agency opened up, you've been tracking this guy 
since 2020, since the incident at your ballpark, you've been tracking this guy and doing due diligence on him. And you still came to the conclusion that you you keep seeing what you want to see instead of what's there. Like him trying to flex like, well, we were, we were thinking about trading for him back in 2020. You mean when Cleveland and the teammates on that team were like, get this guy out of our clubhouse? And when his previous significant other had already posted accusations similar to these the year before on social media. It's unbelievable. Don't give me confidentiality. That's, that's hilarious. This idea of, well, we have to protect everybody due to confidentiality. She's on Instagram. She's been on Instagram. She's been on these airwaves. Mm-hmm. She's the, it's up to her what she wants to share, and she's been sharing it. She's got photos. She's got stories. She's talking about when she – don't hide – well, we can't, we can't talk about this because the confidentiality is sacrosanct. Look what's going on around you. The, oh, door, the doors of the barn are open and the horses have run out. But Dan, And like, you're standing there in an empty barn. They clearly are not looking at what's going on around them. Maturity issues. He's 32. That's, an, that's He's another 32. thing. He's 32. Maturity issues. There's a big difference between what was going on with Bobby Jenks when he was 21 years old. And being raised in the forest. And Michael Kopech when he was 20 years old. There's a big difference between that and this. How about we, we do these backgrounds? We've passed on guys before because of what's come up in background. Well, what's risen to that then? What, what, what gets you to know on a background check that this shouldn't have? It's so... I mean, flexing, it's like, and it's just, it's so White Sox to be like, well, you, you think this is bad. Well, we had, we had some scumbags on that World Series team you love. How about that, huh? Yeah. Like now, now you're gonna now you're gonna take feelings about that team and like and retroactively retro, retroactively make people feel icky yes. about that about because, that because that because that helps you with this right because it because it allows you to act as if you you have some sort of moral standard or you have a history of helping these disadvantaged youths that just need maturity and maturing. You're giving a lot of maturing. Maturity problems is doing a lot of heavy lifting here when when you're asking a guy who at the time of his situation in Cleveland was 29 and had been in the big leagues for a while at that point. And if you really did do due diligence, like that's the part that strikes me, Dan, as being so disingenuous. And it's the part where I won't give them the benefit of the doubt because they don't deserve it. Now we know, we know that the the tracking of Mike Clevenger goes all the way back to the embarrassing incident that got him traded from Cleveland. So Dan, this wasn't this offseason and them putting together a dossier this offseason on this player. This is three years of intel that they could have been trying to gain on Mike Clevenger. And whatever it is that they found out, they were like, it's all good. We're going to make this work. But then I go back to the way that your baseball operation even works. Let's say that you want to take a calculated risk, as Rick put it, that you want to take a chance 
on Mike Clevenger because you think that he's got top of the rotation stuff, even though he's had significant arm injuries and everything else. Let's say that you want to do that. You've had to go through this extensive background check dating back to 2020 on this guy. And I'm sure that people told you stuff. You clearly found out stuff. What if of any of that rises to, you know, as soon as free agency opens, we're going to go get our guy. No, if that's a play that you want to make, that's a play that you made this week. That's Michael Walker. That's not November. You jump out to give him $12 million. How about you just, how about if it's a calculated risk, how about it being a risk that you would be okay losing out on? How about you see what the market bears on Mike Clevenger and you say, you know what? We'd love to have him. But at our price and on our terms. And, let's, and we'll we'll let the market decide what he's worth before we jump out and set the market on him. And while we're waiting, we're going to be in conversation with Michael Walker and Johnny Cueto to see where those numbers might come in. Right. They thought that they had their rotation set by this. And, they, and it's why I am reluctant to give them the benefit of the doubt of what they knew and when. Because if I'm not saying that they necessarily knew what was going on with him and Olivia, I'm saying that there was enough there that should have you should have put up some some flares and been like, well, maybe he's a maybe on our list of needs. He's a maybe, and we'll see where we're at as we get closer and closer to camp. Not a Let's jump out and let's run to go sign him. Because that's what they did. It's it's really disheartening. And the other thing is, is that, and, and uh, Stephanie Epstein pointed this out with Mully and Haw. Rick is only being half honest when he talks about what is capable, what the White Sox as an organization could do. You could, you could cut him. You could release him. And you won't. And the reason that you won't is because of how your organization is run. That $12 million and what it could end up being a $12 million mistake. That $12 million is so valuable to your owner that he's not going to give it away. It's worth it's worth his team looking bad publicly. It's worth it's the general what, manager being out there it's looking what they do. unprepared. It's what they do. This is their brand. Their brand is, is no matter what, somehow make fans uncomfortable. This is, this is the, the and, and like I say, I feel terrible for the people in sales and marketing whose job it is with a smile on their face to say, go White Sox, come be a part of the team, be a part of what we're doing here, get on board. And that's all they're working on is, 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 is trying to make people happy about being a Sox fan. And Everybody on the baseball side is going to go out of their way to make their job like 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 Sisyphus rolling the ball up the mountain. Let's talk about this because let's talk about it in, in bigger picture form too. Not really a ball; it's a, it's a stone, I guess. It's not a. It's better for, for, in the analogy it's, if it's it, a giant baseball. It's, it's Sisyphus pushing the stone up the mountain, but it does look like a ball. We'll work on all of our other allegory and <laughs> everything else after a timeout. 
and we'll talk to you about the White Sox. Yeah, I've got some. I've got some thoughts here that are really good. Just putting some some other some color and some perspective on what we're talking about here. It just sucks. It it, just, it, it really sucks. They they lose Larusa. They bring in Grafol. You have reason to believe that some of these healthy players are coming back and stronger and energized and ready to go. And they can't stop putting landmines in front of your fandom. Bernstein and Holmes here with you until two on the score. I love ball. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. So, Dan, we've been talking about the White Sox stuff a lot in the micro. And when I talk about them putting on the black hat, I, I'm going all the way back to the Tony LaRusa hire, which, if you remember, was another instance of them hiding stuff from the public. It was another instance of who knew what when. And to me, it was a real breach of trust from Jerry Reinsdorf to his front office if the front office is to be believed that they didn't know that Tony LaRusa caught another DUI. Like that's a breach of trust. And it's it's part of the reason that I'm unwilling to give them the benefit of the doubt on a lot of stuff going forward and the excuses that were made. And basically they were just like, it doesn't matter if you guys like it or not. And this is why I always talk about the concept of someone else owning something that you love. That's what this is. The the White Sox and White Sox fandom have been beaten down. Someone texted in and they were like, Yeah, we're we're consistently being kicked in the rocks and at some point there's a breaking point with it where you lose all trust and I guess winning is the way out like that's the way to 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 get out of this I guess but you still force the cognitive dissonance you still make people feel it just like the Aroldis Chapman thing did just like that where everybody kind of knew I guess I guess this is now gonna gonna mitigate. You know, now you're now you're gonna have to pay a a, a, a chunk of happiness, and you have to compartmentalize. Like he's a dirt bag, but I'm happy for Chris Bryant. He's a dirt bag, but I'm I'm happy for Javier Baez. Like that sort of thing. But with the White Sox, I think it's a bigger problem. I think they have a a. I think their relationship with their fan base is on a a thinner. It, has a, a thinner line than they even understand. Few people encapsulate the White Sox feeling better than Bill on Capitol Hill. Hi, Bill. A longtime Sox fan, but also understands that he so he sent this. Christopher Hitchens once said a rival's conduct reminded him of a man who, having relieved himself in his hat, clamps the brimming chapeau to his ears. I, of all people, don't wish to kink shame, Rick Hahn. If it's your thing, do it. But don't ask me to watch the ritual. Don't get mad if I decline that offer. And don't pretend you deserve any credit for self-expression. This thing is messy, it's gross, and it's sad. I, for one, plan to respect their privacy. And he said, a child welfare advocate friend of mine always liked to say, confidentiality doesn't protect the kids, it protects the bureaucrats. Yeah. <laughs> Confidentiality. Are you paying any attention to what any of these people victimized by him over the last four years? See, that's are, the are, thing, are what Dan, they're saying. Dan, 
either they didn't or they did and they don't care. Either way, organizationally, they look bad. What did you say yesterday? Either they're evil or incompetent? No, they're, they've made the decision. They're, they're, they planted their flag and said, we're not evil, we're just stupid. Yeah, I don't like either of those choices. But that's what they've made the choice because they're they have to pick one. Yeah, they they, they, can, they picked stupid. They continue to pick. We stupid. didn't know. We, we didn't know. How could you expect we, us to know? Oh, come on, we didn't know anything. There was nothing. Even even though there's a ton of stuff that gave you all kinds of pick up a phone. You didn't just you didn't care. They didn't even they didn't even take into account that. The reason that Clevenger was available was because he was a bag. Like This is what Rick is admitting. This is what he's comfortable admitting in front of microphones yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we were, to- we were totally in on Clevenger back in 2020. You mean where the teammates in-, in Cleveland were like, get this dude out of here? Like, get him out that time? And they sent the other dudes to the minors? That, that thing? Who did you talk to? And you've had three years in your lust to bring Mike Clevenger to the South Side. You've had three years to do due diligence. And this is what you came up with. So, yeah, yeah, it is a fair question, Rick, to ask about the due diligence of the White Sox. And it's fair to wonder, considering whether we're talking about Tony LaRussa or Omar Vizquel or Wes Wes Helms. Helms. Dave Wilder. Going all the way back to Wilder, it's it's okay to wonder if perhaps other people should be in charge of all of that because you keep getting it wrong. And they and say, then, well, we have to we have to improve it." And then on one hand, they say we really have to improve some of that. And there are people we've passed on because of a background check. What, what do they do? Commit arson, <laughs> terrorism? They're like, on the no fly list. Seriously. What, what, what have these people done that you've passed on? Well, we can't touch this guy. This texter, I think you ask an, an excellent question. Does Rick Hahn have any friends in MLB? We're so su- supposed to believe that he didn't know? That's where I come back to. That's why it's important for him to then say in front of the microphone yesterday that they've been interested in this guy since 2020. In all of that time where you were trying to get him to be in your uniform, if I've heard the stuff, clearly you had access to hearing the stuff about him. And so it, it leaves you to the two choices. Either you knew and you didn't care, or the apparatus by which you go out and vet players is so bad that you didn't know. Your relationships around baseball are so bad that no one wanted to tell you the truth. Or they went, there's the White Sox being the White Sox again, suckers. And that's a perception that he's got to go about changing. And he didn't do anything to do that yesterday. And in trying to flex and say, hey, we, we've been in on this guy and 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 we we knew and all of this stuff. And we've had scumbags on teams you liked before. And uh, thanks to the people who who know our spin about why we don't want to get rid of him. You know what? You can get rid of him right now. You could. 
The White Sox right now could get rid of him. But you know why you won't. And we know why you won't. Because that $12 million puts you right up against your self-imposed budget. And you may have spent it poorly. So you don't want to just give him the money. And you're hoping by hope that MLB says nothing happened and he's full go. That's what you're hoping. But none of this had to be the way that it went down. This is what you cho- you chose. You chose this life. You chose it when you jumped out Thanksgiving weekend and was like, gotta have that. Gotta have it. Not let's see what the market bears. Not let's see what else is out there. No. Michael Walker was a better pitcher last year than Mike Clevenger was and is getting half the AAV that Mike Clevenger is getting on his one-year deal and signed yesterday. There were still pitchers who were available who were comparable to this dude and don't come with the same level of baggage. But you chose to jump out Thanksgiving weekend and sign him. That's on you. And even from a baseball standpoint, it was a, a, a terrible move. And now you're going to spend plenty of time at Camelback Ranch talking about stuff that you wish you weren't talking about. When we come back, we're going to talk some basketball with Jim Ozarski. Is going to give us background of the Bulls' opponent tonight, the vaunted Milwaukee Bucks. That's next on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 